0: We'd like to welcome you back. I believe this is part five of our current event and weekly Bible study for July 13th, 2008. And this next article we're going to be um, reading from is entitled Todd Bentley, The Fires of the Kundalini and the Demon Samael. He goes on to say, I just finished reading Todd Bentley's three-part series entitled Angelic Hosts. It is seriously one of the most disturbing and dangerous things I have ever read. This is from a Christian writing this. He says, it seems that the more I prayerfully look into Todd Bentley, the deeper I am led into the dark world of Gnosticism, mysticism, and the occult. I mean, isn't that the feeling you should get when you read a Christian author? I mean, you know, if you don't get that feeling, you know, something's wrong, right? No. Sorry, I'm being facetious. Anyway, my prayer for you is that you will honestly examine the things he teaches in the manifestations present in the ministry in light of Scripture. Exactly. In light of Scripture. Comparing Scripture with Scripture. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. Okay? That's what we need to do. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly devoting the word of truth. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.15 So, in Todd Bentley's article, entitled, Angelic Hosts, Bentley issues the invitation to eat from the tree of life. Oh, is that so? I thought we couldn't do that until we were in heaven. No, not according to Bentley. We can have it here and now. See, that's what the dominions want. They want to bring everything down from heaven and say that we can have it now. To fill our self-centered you know, fleshly, carnal lusts and desires. We want it now. I remember Benny Hinn, he said this, I've seen this quote many times, he says, you know, I don't need streets of gold in heaven, I need them now! He said that. I've seen that quote on several occasions, and he did scream it. Then he says, Todd Bentley says in this article, I see angels bringing some of you the tree of life. Remember how God in Genesis 3.24 sent the cherubim to guard the way to the tree of life because man had sinned? God took Adam and Eve out of the garden. But today, the Lord wants to bring some of us into that place where we taste the fruit of the tree of life. I want you to get involved right now and say, this is a quote from Bentley, Say, Father, please give us that fruit. Now, let me just stop here for a moment and say, where do we get any biblical precedent for doing this? The only one that would have the authority to even utter such words would have been Jesus Christ, and he never uttered them. Okay? But Todd Bentley evidently thinks he has more authority than Jesus Christ, because this is pure blasphemy. Let's go on. Bentley goes on to say, Lord, let those angels, remember it's always emphasizing the angels, Lord, let those angels bring us right into the place where you have prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Give us the divine life that comes from that tree so we can taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, so in other words, we have to have this experience to taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not enough to have the word of God and to have our souls saved. No, no, that's not enough. Anyway, that was a direct quote from him. Um... If we go to Genesis 2.15. Genesis 2.15. Through 17. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It's like a spiritual death. Okay? So, that's what God says about the day of, of the of the, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day and you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay? They did eat of it, they got kicked out of the garden uh, of Eden, and Sin entered into the world, and now we're in the mess that we're in. Okay, now I'm not coming down on Adam, okay? I'm not saying I would have done any better or different. Okay? I'm not in his shoes. But, it says in the Bible that if you eat of that tree, in the day that you eat of it, you'll surely die. I mean, is this an endorsement to go eat of this tree? I mean, if, if you're ever going to eat of this tree, you better have God's permission to do it. They did not have permissions to... God's permission to do it. We sure don't have God's permission to do it in this life. But again, God, Todd Bentley is playing God here. Genesis 3 then goes on to say, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Which was a lie. Notice how he twists the word of God. God never said that. He said one specific tree. The Satan says, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So he was trying to bring her into a debate. What was he doing? The same thing the devil always does. Questioning the word of God. Twisting it. He twisted it right off the bat. Because he's the devil. He's the father of lies. Verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. So she corrected the devil... But of the, free, of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, "Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. She, but God never even said that either. God never said, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. She, now she was adding to the word of God. So, when you enter into a debate with the devil, you know, she was already starting to come under his spell, I think is what was happening already, because now she's starting to twist the word of God. She's starting to say things that were never said. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So again, he's questioning the word of God, challenging God's authority. For God doth know, in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Okay, this was the first... This is where sin entered in. This was the first lie um, that was perpetuated upon mankind that caused them to sin. And And the carrot... ...that was put out... ...the bait that was put out... ...was that ye shall be as gods... ...and you're going to have your eyes opened... ...knowing good and evil... ...this was... ...this was what happened... ...and then the woman saw... ...that the tree was good for food... ...so then her eyes were confirming... ...this... ...she was hearing something... ...she liked hearing... ...her eyes were seeing something... ...that was good... ...okay... ...so her senses were being... ...you know... ...tickled or whatever... ...and that it was pleasant to the eyes... And a tree to be desired, to make one wise, the pride of life, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, despite what God told her, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And then we go to verse 11. Uh, let's see here. And he said, "Who told who told thee that thou wert naked?" This is God talking to them. Hast thou eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded thee that thou should not eat? Now God already knew, but He's wanting to see if they're going to be upfront and honest. And the man said, "The woman whom thou gavest to me." He's blaming it back on God. <laughs> you gave me this woman. <laughs> oh man. That's dangerous. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me... He's trying to get the spotlight off himself. Actually back on God. Now he's turning into the accuser. She gave me the tree and I did eat. Blaming God and the woman. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is that that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. The devil made me do it. It's It's where we get the expression... The devil made me do it. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. In verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed. There is a distinct seed that the serpent has. Thy seed. Satan's seed. And her seed. Which is separate and distinct. Now this totally disproves the serpent seed theory. Because the serpent seed theory says that Eve had sexual intercourse with Satan. If that were the case, their seeds would be joined and as one. But they're separate and distinct in the Bible. Therefore the serpent seed theory has no merit whatsoever. According to Genesis 3 verse 15. All we need is Genesis 6. Where the fallen angels came down and corrupted the seed that way. Okay? Okay? Anyway, I just threw that in. And then, verse 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, most likely God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to know good and evil. That's how he's, he didn't become one of them like gods. He became one of them just because he know good and evil. Okay, but before that, it was almost like he was in the state of innocence. You know? And now, lest he put forth his hands and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. He didn't want to put upon him a blessing after he had blatantly disobeyed God. Okay? Now, those Satanists that I say are up online, they've got some videos up on YouTube. They did a whole Bible study on this, trying to use this verse to say that all these verses that I just read to say that God's a liar. Now, did I read anything in there where you where you where that thought came into your head that God was a liar? They tried to twist scriptures to their own things and to to, to um suit and plus they were reading a perverted Bible, which which really helped them quite a bit. But um that's what they did okay these Satanists okay so if we go further therefore the God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence it was taken so he drove out man and the place at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep way to keep the way of the tree of life this was when the Garden of Eden was still here on earth okay? So we see in these scriptures that God has placed an angel at the east garden to guard against anyone eating of this tree, lest they should live forever. Okay, Bentley seems to be a frequent guest of Patricia King's quote extreme prophetic. That was the name of it extreme prophetic television show. Doug, do you get that? Is that one of your favorites? <laughs> yeah, Doug said he watches it religiously. No pun intended. Anyway, Extreme Prophetic, it's like they got all these extreme names, Ignite Church, you know, Fresh Fire Ministries, that's Todd Bentley's ministries, Fresh Fire, you know. What about Straight from the Pit of Hell's ministry? I think that would be a little more honest, Straight from the Pit of Hell ministry, or Lake of Fire ministry, or you know. Anyway, be a little more honest at least. So, Bentley, he's a frequent guest on Patricia King's Extreme Prophetic Television show. On one of these occasions, he described a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Yep, oh, oh they've all got these. They've all had face-to-face encounters with their Jesus. Now, don't you think if, they, if he really had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, that Jesus would be rebuking them and putting the fear of God in them, much like he did Saul, who became Paul, on the road to Damascus? Hmm. Why persecutest thou me? You know, remember that? He didn't, he didn't appear to Saul and, you know, like, pat him on the head and say, You're doing great destroying, you know, the brethren and this and that. You're doing a good job. No, he didn't do that. He, in fact, he typically doesn't do that because usually we've all got sin in our life that he's going to reprove. But no, no, no. These, these prophetic guys, these guys in these ministries, they always have these positive experiences when Jesus appears shows you that they're false. This is, this, uh, so he had this face-to-face encounter with Jesus, not a vision. No, he claims to have had a face-to-face encounter. Jesus steps out of heaven and comes to Todd Bentley as a man, as a man, which is an interesting thought. Does Todd fall on his face and worship Jesus? No, Todd also claims that Jesus had ten rainbows emanating from him. Now, you can actually view this testimony. They give the link here. It's from DeceptionBites.com, Todd Bentley. If you recall, at the beginning of the Florida outpouring, Todd claimed that God had requested that he lay hands on everyone present for ten nights of a special transfer or impartation. If you look very deeply into Todd Bentley, you will find he has a list for the number ten. Is there any significance to this number 10? Ask anyone knowledgeable in the occult, and they will tell you. Let's go deeper. Just as the tree of life has significance to the Christian through what it signifies in the book of Genesis, so does it have significance to mystics and the occultists. Manley P. Hall stated in the secret teachings of all ages, he writes, quote, The tree of life is the appointed symbol of the mysteries, and by partaking of its fruit, man attains immortality. Oh, oh, oh. well. What was the tree that we were just talking about here? Hmm. That Todd Bentley wanted everybody to partake of, and said that certain people can partake of it right now, today, on this earth. It was the tree of life. Manly P. Hall would agree with him. One of the highest level Freemasons and occultists of the last hundred years was known as an absolute genius. This Manly P. Hall guy is revered particularly among Freemasons and high-level occultists. So he would agree with Todd Bentley. Uh, Neville Drury, in his Dictionary of Mysticism and the Occult, claims that, quote, the occult tree of life is a path in which the initiate, or the occult student, discovers and experiences the, quote, inner light, also called the inner Christ. It is a system of spiritual doctrines which opens up the mind and the soul to a new level of understanding. Which is, salvation comes from within. Isn't that the ultimate in pride? I mean, how you, if you think that salvation comes from within, which is what most people believe... Whether it's the classic, oh, I believe I'm a good person, God's the one send me to hell, or the Catholic thinking, well, I'm going to earn my way to hell through the seven... Or, <laughs> I'm going to earn my way to heaven. Of course, they are going to hell. I'm going to earn my way to heaven through the seven sacraments and through bowing down to Mary and going on all these pilgrimages and going to Medjugorje and going on my knees and scraping them up and showing God how zealous I am. Or the Muslim that straps a pipe bomb on his back and blows everybody up or the buddhist or the hindu that worships their various panacea and plethora of gods or the mormon or like mormon women who believe that you know they have to be brood mares and basically churn out as many children as possible so that they can have spiritual tabernacle you know whatever whatever your belief system be you're all believing you're earning your place in heaven by your actions doesn't happen that way For you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, that's what happens when you think you're you're attaining it through your works. You will boast about it. It's inevitable. Whether you boast outwardly or inwardly, you still think you're earning your way to heaven. That's an affront and abomination to God. Now, Below, I'm looking at a picture of the cultic or the Kabbalic Tree of Life. Oh, did you know the Kabbalah had its Tree of Life? Yeah. Let's look at what it symbolizes. The Tree of Life is an arrangement of ten interconnected circles, or spheres, called the Sephiroth. Sephiroth. I'm sure I'm butchering it. I'm sorry. I'm probably greatly offending many people. I'm sorry. I've had a lot of emails about my butchering of vocabulary. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. I'm a doctor, but, you know, when we went through chiropractic college and I went through all the training, many times as a doctor, things get abbreviated, and you're, you know, things get like squinched together, and sometimes the linguistics aren't there, so I'm sorry. Anyway, the Sephiroth, which represents the central organizational system of the Jewish Kabbalistic tradition. Kabbalah is the mystical interpretation of the Torah and uh, which is basically the first five books of the Bible and claims insight into divine nature now this is what Madonna and with Demi Moore and a lot of these people are into right now. I heard that is it like Madonna now is pulling Alex Rodriguez arod into the Kabbalah and he's divorcing his wife and I don't you know I don't, I don't advise you going down that path I did hear rumors of that. But, Madonna is nothing more than a witch. A Kabbalistic witch. You ever see them walk around, they've got red strings around their wrists? That means they're into the Kabbalah. Now, granted, a red string around your wrist doesn't make you a Kabbalist, but that's that's one of the things they do do. Okay? But they are witches. They're just... And this is very, very, very powerful, high-level witchcraft. Okay? This isn't like garden-variety, entry-level Wicca witchcraft. This is, I believe, at a much higher level than that. According to Wikipedia, each sephirah, circle or spear, of this tree of life is considered to be an emanation of the divine energy, often called the divine light, which ever flows from the unmanifest through the kether which is the top circle or sphere into manifestation. This flow of light indi- is indicated by the lightning flash, which passes through each sephirah, in turn, according to their enumerations. Wow, that was deep. I mean, I just feel more spiritual just reading it. Just kidding. Anyway, so we see that each circle or sephirah is a center of divine energy and that each has a number of attributes. The path between them is called the lightning path. The lightning flash of the Tree of Life is a flash that zigzags down the Kether through the Ten Spears to the Malkuth. Sorry. (laughs) Also called the Kingdom. (laughs) These words are hard to pronounce. (laughs) Uh, This is what the occultists mystics, Gnostics, and Kabbalists refer to when they refer to the Tree of Life. Okay, so we got a little history lesson there and inner workings of this. Now let's look at the Kundalini. Now I know I got that word right. Sorry. And then we will begin to tie some things together. The Kundalini is an ancient occult practice with its roots in India. It involves bodily manifestations as a consequence to the awakening of an individual's Kundalini. Now, I'm not saying all this for no reason. We're leading up to something here. And it is related to several other occult practices, this kundalini. You don't have to deviate too far to notice the express relationship between kundalinis, chakras, tree of life, kabbalah, and other high-level occult practices. They're all inter tied together. Listen to how the website, biologyofkundalini.com, biologyofkundalini.com, listen to how they describe the kundalini power. Who who better to know? While kundalini is active, we ignite, which is also the name of the church where the Todd Bentley, the healing revival, touched off. Ignite Church. While kundalini kundalini is active, we ignite those around us simply with the presence of... With our presence, with a power that works directly from body to body, heart to heart, like a contagion. Like something that's contagious. Now, let's just look at that a little closer. While the kundalini is active, we ignite those around us simply with our presence. What does that tell you? Well, like if you had a candle. You ever see those things where like a person has a candle and they light... You know, and everybody gets their candles lit. You get out like a hundred people, and you can light all their candles in, like, I don't know, how long it would take. Depends on how efficient you were, I guess. Well, that's the that's the the analogy they're using here. By their mere presence, particularly if you are of the same like mind as them, you know. Hey, I'm in unity with these people. The spiritual transfer takes place then. It's like a candle lighting. Todd Bentley is imparting this Kundalini uh, demonic power in line signs and wonders to other people through his very presence. Because they are of a like mind. Now, if I went there, he's not going to do it to me because I am not in league with him. I'm going to be praying against that guy, rebuking him in the name of Jesus Christ. So, it, you know, you just don't have to be there. You've got to be in unison. you got to be... But it says, notice, it says, this power that works directly from body to body, heart to heart, like a contagion. Now, again, I have said this before, but people that are coming out of Todd Bentley's revivals, they're taking and they're infecting... I've heard that exact word used. Infecting their congregations when they get back. Now, their congregations were already apostate if they were in the charismatic movement. But they're infecting them even more. And people are supposedly getting healed, and they're acting like little mini Todd Bentleys. It's like mini-me. He's got his, his little army of mini-me's out there going and infecting everyone else with this contagion of kundalini. Now keep in mind that Todd had instru- was, was instructed to lay hands on everyone present in his meetings for ten nights in this special invitation. Hey, he wanted to kick it off Right. He wanted to establish that foundation where he was laying hands on everybody for ten nights in a row to get everybody maximally demonically possessed. He describes this transferable anointing as the most contagious he had ever experienced. That was his exact words, contagious. Hmm, isn't that weird? The following excerpt was taken... Did, I mean, did you know that, you know, spiritual things can be contagious just like something like the avion flu or, or whatever? It's just a spiritual way actually more deadly in a lot of ways. The following excerpt was taken from newchristian.org, UK, and is referring to a gentleman's uneasy feeling toward Bentley. Quote, the one other very worrying statement I heard him, Todd Bentley, make that evening was this. Quote, I used to feel the anointing in my hand. Now I feel it down my spine. <laughs> Whoa. His mention of the spine rang bells in my memory. So I did a search on Google and found that the kundalini, or this demonic snake serpent spirit, is acknowledged by kundalini devotees as taking up residence in the spine. Particularly, it's like a coiled serpent in the base of the spine. Isn't that weird? That's where a lot of, particularly women, get tattoos. Right there at the base of their spine. A lot of women get all kind of elaborate tattoos at the base of their spine. It's a big thing nowadays. Given, now I'm not saying men don't do it either, but, I, I've, you know, that's just something that I guess is the trend. Given that the main emphasis on Todd's ministry at Lakeland is the impartation of, quote, the fire to other countries, churches, ministries around the world, it makes this impartation aspect one of great concern, lest another spirit is involved. Now let's look at the following common manifestations of the risen kundalini in occult practices. Here's something that takes place... Like, okay, let's say you're actively seeking the kundalini. There's no facades on, like there is at Lakeland. No, this no. I'm directly pursuing the kundalini. What are some things I can expect to happen to me when I seek and pursue this kundalini? Serpent, snake, spirit. That's kind of a tongue twister. Serpent, snake, spirit. Anyway... Here's some common manifestations of kundalini. Muscle twitches, cramps or spasms, energy rushes or immense electricity circulating through the body, itching, vibrating, prickling, tingling, stinging, crawling sensations, intense heat or cold, involuntary body body movements, jerking, tremors, shaking, feeling of an inner force pushing into one's postures or moving one's body in an unusual way alterations of eating and sleeping patterns, episodes of extreme hyperactivity, and conversely, overwhelming fatigue, intensified or diminished sexual desires, headaches, pressures within the skull, racing heartbeat, pains in the chest, digestive system problems, numbness or pain in the limbs, particularly the left foot and leg. Hmm. Pains and blockages anywhere, often in the back and neck, emotional outbursts, rapid mood shifts, Seemingly unprovoked or excessive episodes of grief, fear, rage, or depression. Spontaneous vocalizations, including laughing and weeping, and are unintentional and uncontrollable as hiccups. Hearing an inner sound or sound, classically described as a flute, drum, waterfall, birds, singing, bees buzzing, but which may also sound like a roaring, whooshing, or thunderous noises, or ringing in the ears, mental confusion, difficult concentrating, Altered states of consciousness, heightened awareness, spontaneous trance states, mystical experiences. If the individual's prior belief system is too threatened by these, they can lead to bouts of psychosis and self grandiosity Heat, strange activity, and blissful sensations in the head, particularly in the crown area, crown area of the head. Now, I've been around enough Pentecostal movements to know that this is all commonplace. I'm telling you, right now, it is. And I don't mean to be prejudiced or whatever, but particularly this seems to affect the women more than I've seen it affect the men. I'm not saying they're both not equally as deceived. I'm talking about the real deep manifestations of this. Particularly the emotional manifestations. Um, I've seen it really affect women in an adverse way, and they are would swear up and down, it's of God. I'm hearing from God, I'm hearing God's voice, and you're not. And I'm going to give you counsel, brother. Because God has a word for you, from me. And they're, they're going through all this stuff here. I'm telling you. Women are not made for that role, according to the Bible. They're not made to be going around, laying hands on people, prophesying the word of God over people, and these types of things. I mean, unless it's done in an incredibly biblical way. And it's not being. Okay? It's not. They're acting as teachers and guides and spiritual overseers. They're acting in the role of a pastor. And the Bible says the pastor is to be the husband of one wife. Not the wife of one husband. I've done a whole teaching on this. Okay, now I don't mean to be... I'm, I'm not being chauvinistic. I'm being realistic. I'm being... trying to be biblical here. It has nothing to do with a prejudice on my part. Uh, but I'm just telling you what I have saw because I've been there and done it. And had ample experience in this. The men, on the other hand, sit down and lose their backbone... And basically usually just follow the women that's what i see happen most of the time they don't take any kind of spiritual authority or any spiritual headship typically usually it's the woman the women are the ones leading the men which is unbiblical so let's compare this to some common symptoms related on the website on the newchristian.org now this is we this this is this was from a kundalini site we just read from Describing kundalini, what can happen. Now this is a website, um, newchristian.org. And then it says, these are the effects that I have witnessed on people who have attended this movement, Todd Bentley's movement, and either have had hands laid on them, or claim to have been imparted with the, quote, spirit. Let's see if there's any similarities here to what's happening at Todd Bentley's, to what this kundalini site's describing. What happens? They come back with this kind of childlike drunken stupor. And remember, the Bible says to be sober, vigilant for your adversaries, the devils, the roaring lions, seeking who may devour. We're to be sober and vigilant. We're to flee all appearance of evil. We're to set no wicked thing before our eyes. All these Bible verses. Everything should be done in decency and in order. Not chaotic. You know, right there. Those Bible verses alone should be enough for you to see that this is not of God. What's, what's going on up in Lakeland. And then all these other charismatic things. So they come back from Bentleys with a childlike drunken stupor. Now this just isn't Bentley. This is this is charismatic movements across the board. It's just he's pushed the envelope. So we're picking on him. Descriptions of a burning sensation either in their veins, heads, or stomachs. Descriptions of being washed back and forth like the waves of an ocean. Dancing around like you're drunk. Inappropriate yelling and screaming like they're at a football game. Young men whistling over and over, holding their heads and claiming that they feel the Holy Spirit about to, quote, split them in two. I remember I went to a church, and the the pastor there, Pastor Corden, I believe, he was the pastor of this big charismatic church I was at. This was the last church I was at in the charismatic movement. And we had been having the supposed revival and stuff, and, you know, everybody had been slain in the Spirit. And I, I was a catcher. Yeah, I was, catch, I was catching everybody. Split my pants from, basically, front to back, catching this lady. It was very embarrassing. But, um, yeah, you know, I had been slain in the Spirit. Everybody was getting slain in the Spirit, and all the, all this biblical junk going on. Everybody praying in tongues at the same time. You know, rarely was there an interpreter. And I remember Pastor Corden coming up at the end, and he said, I could tell you one thing about the Holy Spirit. What I've observed here over the last, whatever, many days, I could tell you one thing. The Holy Spirit, He ain't no gentleman. He ain't no gentleman. And He was laughing. Because all these manifestations that He had saw, which were of the devil, He was attributing to the Holy Spirit, so He had the audacity to say, the Holy Spirit, one thing about I know about the Holy Spirit, He's no gentleman. (laughs) He was caught in a sex scandal shortly thereafter, and I think had to move to Arizona. But anyway, see, I, I have a lot to compare this to, because I've been there. I've never been anything like Todd Bentley's. This, this has gone way beyond anything I've ever seen. Um, then, another thing has happened. One, man, one man's back, two teeth, completely turned to some metallic finish. If you need dental work, see Todd Bentley. He can help you out. Just kidding, teasing. People with their eyes rolled back in their heads and weaving around like they're lost. Women gyrating and pulsating like they're being, quote, ravaged from behind by some unforeseen force. Drunk and uncontrollable laughter in the middle of solemn prayer time. Solemn. Like there's a lot of things that are solemn going on up at Bentley's. People being, quote, slain in the spirit. Just falling down and being unable to move like something's holding them down something is holding them down I just heard I just had a testimony this week from a dear brother that I know locally here and he told me how he had been held down he volunteered to be held down by a witch Yeah he went to a party and they were all doing drugs and stuff this was before he was saved and there were there was a witch there at this party and all the guys gathering. Hey, man, you got to let her do this thing to you. You'll you'll never believe it. So, he didn't really want to do it, but he reluctantly did it. So they said, "Okay, get down on the ground." Now, I may I may be not recounting this perfectly, one hundred percent accurately, but he said the witch went and did all these things to him. Where she and he described it in detail what she did. She did all these things having to do with spiritually. Essentially nailing him to the ground. And it was demonic. And when she was done, he could not move. He was, it was like he was nailed down to the ground. He had voluntarily submitted to her witchcraft, and he had been overcome by her, and he was down there on the ground. He couldn't move a muscle. And he started freaking out. He started getting you know a little scared. Hey man, let me up, give me up. And, and the witch told him, he said, don't, don't get up. Don't try to get up. Because if you do, you'll be messed up the rest of your life. So she had to then reverse this whole process she did to him in order for him, and then he could, then he got up. Now you may not believe that. <laughs> that's irrelevant. That kind of stuff happens all the time. That's not... That's the least of what Satan can do. Particularly if you put yourself under his... in subjection to him. But see, that's part of his testimony now. See, spiritual things like we talk about with the demons and the witchcraft—that for somebody that's been through something like that, if they get saved, it's much more real to them than somebody, let's say, that's been brought up in this idyllic Christian home and never had to really, you know, had any experiences with any of this. This information that I'm talking about can be in a total shock to them but I grew up with a lot of new age influences my mom was into new age and and a lot of this stuff I was in a really heavy metal satanic rock so see I, I already had exposure to this so see to me this is all very real. so if we go further according to the website enlightened beans. The most important thing to know and remain aware of is that the Kundalini Awakening contains the most unbelievable expanded states of reality, enlightenment, and absolute ecstasy. Huh. Now, this is what they say this Kundalini Awakening does. The most unbelievable expanded states of reality, enlightenment, and absolute ecstasy. What are people all about today? Pleasing the flesh? Well, hey man, I can, go to, I can go to Todd Bentley's and not even do drugs, and get wasted. And experience this ecstasy. Those John Crowder videos that I sent out. I had a lot of people requesting those. Where the guy's going in and he's having people drink holy water. Catholic holy water. And they're getting drunk. And they're supposedly injecting the Holy Spirit into their veins. They're really doing this stuff. They're drinking... They, they call the holy water vodka, Like vodka. Oh yeah, it's, it's the most blasphemous thing I've ever seen. They made a video where they're in a car and they're all getting high. He's got his baby Jesus pipe. It's, it's the picture, it's a little baby Jesus pipe and they're smoking. You could, you could think nothing other than marijuana and the car's just enveloped with smoke. And this cop comes along and taps on the window and in this, in this parody video, he's smoking his baby Jesus pipe, passing pass around, they're all getting high and then eventually the cop joins in. Talks about how he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, smoking olive wood from the Garden of Gethsemane, and snorting dust from the tomb of Jesus. He comes around in a, black, in a, in a, in a brown monk's robe, totally tied in with the Catholic religion. It, it's so blasphemous. Some of the stuff I can't even really repeat. You'd almost have to go up and look at it. It's the most sickening thing I've ever seen in my life. It's beyond what Todd Bentley's doing. He makes Todd Bentley look like a choir boy. No pun intended. Sorry. Crowder is, is got to be at the quintessential pinnacle essence of blasphemy. You talk about a guy with no fear of God at all. I'm talking not even a shred. He'll fear God when he's in hell. He'll fear God the moment he dies. I guarantee you that. There'll come a day he'll fear God. This kundalini awakening—so um, expanded states of reality, enlightenment, and absolute ecstasy. Not to mention that you've just befriended the greatest healing energy available inside you, and that it, and that is extremely contagious to all human beings. Now that statement is bears repeating. Now this is from enlightened beings describing the kundalini awakening. Enlightenment, ecstasy, not to mention that you've just befriended this kundalini, which is the greatest healing energy available inside you. What's going on up at Lakeland? People are getting healed. By what power are they getting healed? It's not of God. (laughs) That's so obvious and flagrant. It's not of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is it? Well, yes, he's given some credit to the Emma angel and various other angels but I really believe it's this kundalini that's actually doing the healing. So we've just befriended this healing. And then it says, this healing energy is extremely contagious to all human beings. Don't let somebody come back from Todd Bentley and infect you as well. And if you have been infected, you better pray and fast and get rid of that thing. And if you could... if uh, Taylor, what are you doing? Um, If if you want to know more about that, just email me. I'll I'll email you some stuff on how to deal with demonic entities. I don't have time to get into it today, but... We have to have a remedy for this, as Christians, don't we? I mean, what are we just, oh yeah, just demon-possessed for the rest of my life, yeah. Nothing I can do about it. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Extremely Contagious. I'm telling you, don't let somebody that's, that's went through this, or that's into the new age or the Kundalini, lay hands on you. It's extremely, now granted, if they laid hands on you, and you weren't receptive, and, and it, was, it was in a... I'm not saying you're going to be infected, but I'm saying it's not something you want to push the envelope on. It's just not a good habit to get into. So, this occultic website is describing the Kundalini Awakening as the greatest healing energy available and it's extremely contagious. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Let's think of what's going on up in Lakeland. This website goes on to explain that the Kundalini Awakening can be an experience that feels like the greatest blessing in the entire world. It can feel that way. Why do you think people get into the New Age? Oh, they're so peaceful. Yeah, they're, they're operating in the kundalini. It can be the greatest blessing in the entire world. And this is what this website says. Or, the worst curse you have ever encountered. That's what they're saying. Or the worst curse you've ever encountered. It simply it, it simply depends on one thing. Whether you know that you are an infinite soul that will never die, or you still believe you are this physical, non-spiritual... You are, you are this physical, non-spiritual, mortal body. Your perspective is everything when it comes to a million watts of energy pouring through you. The bigger and more inclusive your perspective on each experience, the easier it will be for your body and mind to accept the kundalini power. So you better you better be right in your mind if you're going to want to accept the kundalini. Now I'm saying this in a facetious way. If you're not there mentally... It could be the biggest curse you've ever known. It is the biggest curse, or one of them. No matter what way you slice it. Whether they're aware of it or not. But if your mind is prepared to receive this kundalini, or this Christ consciousness, these demons and devils that emanate and operate, if you're truly there, ready, hungry to receive it, which is what the Bentley inheritance are, It can be an absolute thing of total ecstasy. But then there's also a lot of other things that we describe in here that aren't ecstasy. Burning sensations in the veins, heads, stomachs. Feeling that the Holy Spirit is about to split them in two. Evidently, these people weren't quite ready. So in essence, we are saying that we know that we are an infinite soul who will never die to make it easy for the mind-body to accept the Kundalini. How can you know this? By partaking of the Tree of Life, of course. <laughs> Remember Todd's words. So see, this is how you have to prepare yourself. You just don't go up to Todd Bentley's. You know, you got you got to have some, there's some preparation to get fully demon-possessed. And then, uh, this is from um, Todd Bentley, Fresh Fire Ministries, Angelic Hosts. He says, "Father, please give us that fruit this is the fruit of the tree of life let Lord let those angels bring us right into the place where you've prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies give us divine life that comes from that tree so we can taste and see that the Lord is good and I already reread I reread that but this is what's preparing them to receive the Kundalini is partaking of this supposed tree of life which goes back to the Kabbalah. So why does Todd Bentley insist on laying hands on everyone president in his meetings, even when they number into the thousands? Which, by the way, would exhaust even the very strongest among us, because, and if you think about it, it is a spiritual exchange. It is. I mean, I'm a chiropractor, and I have, I don't have, you know, I'm, I'm essentially seen doing most of my work at this point on the internet. One of my problems this is when I see patients, I tend to give too much of myself, I think. And I get exhausted. I know there's spiritual exchanges. Now, hopefully I'm not imparting anything bad. Okay? I seem to have a pretty good... You know, people seem to do pretty well with my treatments. Praise the Lord. But, I'll tell you what. I can't... I couldn't imagine. A thousand people? Brothers, very strong demons. The devil's emanating and operating through this man. I think they're giving him... All the reinforcements that he needs. It goes on to say, because he needs to lay hands on to transfer this power, this energy. This power, energy in the occult is called the Shakapat. Shakapat. Shakti means power or energy. Pot means transfer. I knew a lady... Her name was Shakti. She was a local yoga teacher. Now I understand why her name was Shakti. It means power energy, and pot means transfer. So when you have Shaka pot, you have this power energy that's being transferred. Kundalini awakening, or the shak- Shakta pot, is the infusion of energy from the spiritual master to the seeker, bringing about the awakening of the seeker's own inherent spiritual power called the Kundalini. According to this website, InPlainSight.com. This website says, quote, Few Christians realize that for thousands of years, gurus have operated with gifts of healing, miracles, and gifts of knowledge, and intense displays of spiritual consciousness as they stretch out and connect with a cosmic power which, through which, though demonic in origin, is very real at the same time. They're tapping into this demonic, it would be like having a a plug, you got a plug, okay, and that plug plugs into you. And you got to just find the right socket, the right demonic socket to plug into, so you can get the power. And once you get the power going, you got an endless supply there. You can impart that same demonic thing to whoever you're laying hands on. The meanings which mystic Hindu gurus hold are called darshan. At these meetings, devotees go forward to receive spiritual experiences. Sound familiar? From a touch by the open palm of the hand, often to the forehead. Oh, doesn't that sound like being the slain in the spirit? Which is the next thing we're going to be talking about, but we probably won't get to it this week. But yeah, kind of does. Isn't that funny? By a touch with the open palm of the hand to the forehead. By the guru in what is known as the Shakapat, or the divine touch. Wow, I didn't even know that until I just read that. But it's pretty amazing. The raising of the spiritual experience is called the raising of the Kundalini. After a period where the devotee has reached a certain spiritual elevation, they begin to shake, jerk, hop, squirm uncontrollably, sometimes breaking into uncontrollable animal noises or laughter as they reach an ecstatic high. Now remember, this is the Hindu guru experience of Kundalini. It's the same thing that's going on at Todd Bentley's. The manifestations are called krayas. Devotees sometimes roar like lions and show all kinds of physical signs during this period. Often devotees move on to the higher states of spiritual consciousness and become inert physically and appear to slip into unconsciousness when they lose the sense of what is happening around them. This state is called samahadi and leads into deeper spiritual experience. For a dramatic illustration view, the following of the following, this is being done under the guise of the Holy Spirit. Even though we have no biblical precedent for these kinds of manifestations, um, see the video Holy Ghost or Kundalini. There's a video they have on DeceptionBites.com. It's entitled Holy Ghost or Kundalini. It's one that you could go see. DeceptionBitesBYTES.com. The following is an account of what took place in one professor's life when an assistant to Swami, I always wanted to be a Swami. Could you call me Swami from now on? I know I had said, you know, what was that other Monsignor maybe? But no, Swami's better. I could wear one of those big turban things. Sorry, just kidding, teasing. Um, the f- <laughs> Swami Johnson. <laughs> Oh, I love it. The following is an account of what took place in one professor's life when the assistant to Swami Muktan Adi ran a peacock feather across his third eye in the center of his forehead. Oh, I'm sorry, that last phrase just kind of got me. Okay, so this is what happened when this uh, assistant ran a peacock feather across the third eye of his forehead. He said, quote, I saw a bolt of lightning, like a pyramid of light. Now, remember we talked before about the lightning coming down, the the Kabbalistic tree of life? He said, I saw a bolt of lightning like a pyramid of light. I literally began bouncing off the floor and trembling. I cried. I felt tremendous energy, love, and joy. What I had experienced, I later learned, had been the shakapat, or the spiritual awakening of the kundalini energy inside me, end of quote. Now, that is from Professor Michael Ray, Stanford Graduate School of Business. It's not some Todd Bentley adherent. That's from that guy. In the occult, or the Kabbalistic tradition, Samael, or Samuel, is an angel, and is also referred to as the peacock angel. Peacock feather? Hmm. Thus, the peacock feather, or he's also known as the angel of death. Angel of death? Yeah, well, so is Azrael. Azrael is another name for the angel of death. So is the grim reaper. Okay. How those those usually will manifest, at least Azrael or the Grim Reaper. Now, Azrael has a whole cult devoted to him, or her, or whatever it is. And it's a fallen angel. And Azrael has a whole cult devoted to, to it in New Orleans. I heard that it might have got wiped out, though, when Katrina came through. But um, it's got a whole cult. Azrael will typically manifest as either a shadow, a large shadow... Or the Grim Reaper, the hooded skeleton figure, or a skeleton. Usually manifests in one of three ways. The number 13 card in the tarot deck is a skeleton riding a horse. Guess what card that is? The death card. Little confirmation, little light-hearted, whimsical sidebar for you. There. Anyway, let's go further. I didn't know that this peacock angel, or Samuel, is also known as the angel of death. The third eye, according to Wikipedia, is the gate that leads within to the inner realms and the spaces of the the higher consciousness. In New Age spirituality, the third eye may alternately symbolize a state of enlightenment or the evocation of mental images having deeply personal, spiritual, or psychological significance. The third eye. The third eye is often associated with visions, clairvoyance, precognition, and out-of-body experiences. And the people who have allegedly developed the capacity to use their third eye are sometimes known as seers. It is sometimes symbolized by a flaming eye. Interestingly enough, Bentley has a large flaming eye tattooed on his left arm. With the all-knowing eye of Horus or Lucifer? Yeah, he's got a big flaming eye, though. Must need some eye drops with all those flames around it, you know. Maybe he has to get like Visine every day and put it in there. So it doesn't get irritated. Sorry. A little humor. Anyway, a tattoo, by the way, that he got about a year ago, well after his conversion. Oh, I guess he said God told him to get these things. I guess God told him to get the hexagram on his arm too. And the little alien guy, and the upside down Jesus, that's, that's the Sananda Jesus that's dead on his arm, and the flames on his elbows... Yeah, and the little rose with the skull coming out of it on his on his throat. I'm not making this stuff up. He's got all those tattoos, and who knows what he's got under his shirt? I don't really want to see. That'd be a little too much information for me. But I'm telling you, oh, and then he's got a warrior on his shin. He's got this like this demonic Medusa-headed warrior on his shin bone, and all kind of occult writing. It's unbelievable. But it's okay, because he said God told him to get it, so. This third eye is something that people in the occult, if they get to a high enough level, it's called having your third eye opened. It's what's symbolized when you see see Hindu women with a little dot in their forehead. The third eye is also symbolically connected to the pineal gland in the brain. And the pineal gland has a lot to do with altered states of consciousness, sleep patterns, things of this nature. The pineal gland is what manufactures the hormone melatonin, which has a lot to do with sleep patterns. But this is the this is the third eye that they're trying to get open. Now, if you're high enough in the occult, and you've had your third eye open, many times you'll be able to see into the spirit world. In other words, if like there was a fallen angel walking around the room with you, or, or devils or demons, which... Probably uh, there are, uh, in, 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 um, I mean, there's certain devils and demons that are assigned to people, there's certain, I believe, good angels, particularly if you're a born again Christian. You would actually be able to see that type of activity if you fully had your third eye open. It has something to do with having the link between soul and spirit severed from an occult standpoint. again, I haven't been dogmatic, I haven't been there, done that, but, um, that gives you a little more background on the whole third eye thing. But Todd Bentley, he had this flaming eye tattooed on his left arm well after his conversion. Now I want to show you something that was taken from Todd Bentley's Angelic Host article written in his own words. He said, quote, These throne room realities began to be revealed to me in the meeting in Iowa, as I gave thanks to God for the angelic beings. I made a conscious effort to remember that angels are in the spirit realm. Uh side note, why did he have to make a conscious effort to remember that they were in the spirit realm? People who encountered angels in scripture certainly never had to remind themselves that they were in the presence of angels. They were typically terrified. Oh no, but these never terrified, no. They're your good buddies. Just goes to show you what types of angels are manifesting in front of him. They're not of God. So then he says, as soon as I did that, throughout the service, people were caught up into the prophetic experiences. Ah. Uh, yes. People, and now this is Todd Bentley. So when he, when he made this conscious effort to remember the angels of the spirit realm, as soon as he did that, throughout the service, people were caught up into the prophetic experiences. People in the service either saw a vision, heard heaven, smelled, touched, felt, or had some kind of supernatural experience. See how good the devil is at what he does? He's so good at what he does. I'm not giving him credit or, or trying to like, you know, whatever. I'm just saying. He's the master of deception. Many people literally began to see the same open-eyed vision while others began to have different visions. See, they were starting to have their third eye open. It's a pretty sad state of affair when you're in a Christian church and you're starting to have your third eye opened. It's not, not a good scenario. It didn't matter whether the lights were on or off or whether the people's eyes were open or closed. That's what happened. That's what he admits to. Just call him Kundalini Todd. Kundalini Bentley. Bentley goes on to say that even unsaved people in the meeting who were into the transcendental med- meditation began to see the lightnings of God manifest in their physical realm. Unsaved people in a meeting... Who were into Transcendental Meditation? Yeah, sure. The guru to the Beatles was the first guy that ever brought Transcendental Meditation in mass to the United States. That little devil just recently died. But he's going to have the blood of millions of people on his hands because of what he did through the Beatles. So unsaved people who were into Transcendental Meditation, what were they doing there in the first place? I guess they felt comfortable. Sure. Sure. Satanists would have been comfortable there, too. They began to see the lightnings of God manifest in the physical realm. They saw lightning bolts sip across the room for two and a half hours. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Did these unsaved people fall on their faces and worship God? No. If they did, Todd never tells us about it. We know they didn't. They were all, hey, come one, come all. They're all unsaved. Bottom line. The congregation began to freak out. The prophetic download went on until about... 11.30 that night, the prophetic download. Now that's interesting. Was that like, uh, was it like a high-rate download, or was it like a low-bit per-rate download? I mean, I was just kind of curious. Sorry, it's computer talk. Was it freeware, shareware? I mean, yeah, I mean, was it it a T1 line download? I don't know. Anyway, it was the kind of thing that you would read about in the old Maria Woodworth-Eder meetings, which is one of the apostate women... Of God that came out of the Pentecostal movement, okay? Maria Woodworth Eder is possibly the source for many of the abhorrent doctrines taken up by the New Order of the Latter Rain movement in the late 1940s. It's just if you look at the at the foundations of the Charismatic movement in particular, it's so corrupt. Azusa Street, all these false people like William Branham, um, Catherine Kuhlman, this this Maria Woodworth Eder lady. It's just corrupt. Children coming into the service began to see angels. People began to scream out, quote, I'm in a trance and Jesus is coming to me. End of quote. Or others at all the same time would shout, We are in the garden. I wonder what garden they're talking about. I guess the Garden of Eden, where that tree of life is that Todd said you have to partake of if you really want to go to the next level with the Kundalini awakening. Kabbalistic tree of life, though. It's not the tree of life of... See, if God has something, the devil always has a counterfeit. That's his counterfeit. That's his tree of life. They should call it the the Kabbalistic tree of death. I'm not making this stuff up. This is from Todd Bentley. This is what he's saying. These are direct quotes from this article. So they had these people say, we're in the garden. And then I would see a lightning bolt and shout out, did you see it? This is Todd speaking. In response, many others would yell, I saw it. The lightnings of God were manifesting. Now again, we have this lightning connected with the Kabbalistic tree of life. We also have Jesus saying, behold, I, held, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven when he fell. Lightning is usually never used in a good, holy context. You have the SS lightning bolts that the Nazis wore. The lightning bolts of the SS. Many, many people that are involved in high-level occult are obsessed with lightning and lightning bolts. Now, I'm not saying you can't think lightning's cool, okay? I'm just saying it has a lot of occult connotations as well. Uh, The lightnings of God were manifesting. The meaning became pandemonium. Oh, so much for everything should be done in decency and in order. Being sober and vigilant and all that other stuff. No, we don't want that. It became pandemonium for two and a half hours. Well, wow, that spirit was really manifesting. And we know it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Comparing scripture with scripture. Then the Lord spoke to me about thunder and lightning, which proceeded from the throne. And I said, Todd Bentley, Do you know where we are right now, guys? We are in the throne room. That's what he was telling all his buddies there. They're in the throne room throne room with Satan, maybe. Bentley then states that, quote, in retrospect, I realize that the only thing that the only thing to get us into the throne room was my conscious decision to think about what I looked like in the heavenlies at that moment in the service. Oh, so it's all about Todd and what he's wanting to perceive in his mind. And then he said, I had also begun to acknowledge the angelic realm. They go on to comment, Did you catch Todd states that the only thing that got them into the throne room to and into the throne room and to experience this lightning was his conscious decision. He just thought about it and they were there. Yeah, this guy's got no shortage of ego here. So it appears, now this is Todd again, so it appears there is something about the angelic host that brings about spiritual experiences. That's why, one of the reasons he's so focused on these fallen angels, and these demons and devils. Then he says, are you ready for these types of experiences today? End of quote, that's what he's asking us. Now let's take a look at the angel Samuel, or Samuel. Samuel, as it relates to Todd Bentley's ministry. The following was taken from a book of the occult entitled, The Great Encyclopedia of Angels, The Truth About Angels, by Aurelia Jupiter. Nice name. Aurelia Jupiter. Anyway, Samael is the angel of death that is known in Jewish lore. And is also called the peacock angel. He is the sovereign of the sixth heaven and the underworld. Samael seems to be very seems to have a very ambiguous role where on one side he is known to be the brightest light in all the heavens on the other side he is responsible to oversee the punishment of the iniquitous and in the underworld he's he's known to be the punisher which would be a lot like Emma the angel Emma who is the overlord of the underworld he seems to have a very similar role as Emma maybe their husband and wife, I don't know Maybe those two kids could get together. Sorry, just kidding. Teasing. So, he is, he is the one who will inspire and empowers the secret societies. Especially the Illuminati. The very, very, very high level ranking fallen angel we're talking about here. He is six foot six tall. This is how he manifests, okay? Because these things can and do manifest to people that are involved in high enough level occult. And pretty soon, they're going to manifest. Period. To a lot of people. So you better know how to deal with these things. You deal with them through the Word of God. Well, and I said a lot of other things on how to deal with them too, but... He is 6 foot 6 inches tall, long, straight, white hair, 2 inches below his shoulders. He has baby blue eyes, and he's very handsome. That's how they describe him. I'm not saying he is, but that's how they describe him. Now remember that this angel has blonde hair, blue eyes, shoulder-length blonde hair... And is very handsome. Now let's look at Bentley's description of one of the angels that visits him. Taken from Bentley's article, Angelic This is a direct quote from him, from Bentley. He said, quote, I had another angel come to me, looking like he was about 6 foot 4 inches tall, with 24 inch biceps. He was a bodybuilder angel. He was cut with rippling muscles, and wore a golden sash about his waist. He had blonde shoulder-length hair, blue eyes. The hunk of hunks. That's what Bentley said. Okay. <laughs> guys don't go around referring to other guys as the hunk of hunks. So that's not like, that's not right. You know, I'm sorry. That's I don't know. Anyway, he w- he said he was the hunk of hunks, and then he said we are talking better than Fabio. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time keeping it together in this one. <laughs> anyway, this angel, the point of it is, is, is this might have been this angel, Samuel. Wikipedia describes Samuel as follows. Samuel is an important archangel in Talmudic and post-Talmudic lore. Now, Talmudic means Jewish mysticism. The Kabbalistic um, Jewish mysticism is the highest level. But the Talmud is also very, very much part of the um, Jewish occultic system. Okay? We've talked about the Talmud before. And it's very, very blasphemous against the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about as blasphemous as you could possibly be. Particularly the Babylonian Talmud. And if you want to reference that, just type in Talmud in my search box and you can see the teachings we've done. So... It's very important, Samael is very important in Talmudic and post-Talmudic lore, as well as in Christian tradition and demonology. Now this is what Wikipedia is saying. He is viewed as the angel, the evil angel of death. He is the prince of demons and a magician. He was the guardian angel of Esau and the patron of the sinful empire of Rome. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. Samuel is sometimes considered to be the true angel, angel, angelic name of Satan. The etymology of this name is sometimes thought to be a combination of Sam, meaning poison or venom, El, meaning of God, thus he is the poison of God. He's not the poison, the true God. Okay, but that's a that's little background on him. Now let us review the knowledge in light of the following statement Todd makes in Angelic Host. This is another quote from good old Todd. He just hangs himself with every quote. He makes our job pretty easy, I mean. Oh. Recently, here's a quote. Recently I had an angel come to me in Kansas City. He said, Todd, my name is Promise. You mean like the butter spread? Promise butter spread? No. It wasn't that one. He said, my name is Promise, and I've come to bring the fulfillment of God's promises. Mm. I've come to bring the fulfillment of prophetic words spoken... To intercessors. I have come for those who have been like Hannah. In that they prayed and waited and carried a promise in their hearts. They will come, there will come a time when God has heard, and I will release Samuel. Or Samael. Hmm, the angel of death. Not really an angel I want to be released, Personally. Yeah, that's what an exact quote from his right. Now we just talked about Sam, angel of death, could be Satan. But see, actually what these people are doing, at Todd Bentleys and things like this and the Charismatics, they're actually invoking these angels. They're invoking them like mass witchcraft. Just like the New Agers are doing, just like Lord Maitreya is saying to do, just like that day of whatever, the Invocation Day or whatever they have, the UN sponsors... They're in absolute league with the witches and the warlocks and all the other people involved in the occult. Worldwide. Worldwide mass of witchcraft to usher in the Antichrist. And there will come a time, he says, when God has heard and I will release Samuel. According to Satanic theology, it was Azazel, also known as Samael, who tempted Adam and Eve with the fruit of knowledge, in the form of a serpent. Now this is according to occult theology, satanic. He was also the one who inspired the people of Babel to make the technological feat of building their tower. It was by teaching these various forbidden arts and inspiring humanity to reach for the stars and take control of the environments that Azazel had fallen out of the favor with the, Abraham, with the Abrahamic deity or God. Now remember, that was from an occultic source. So in light of all this, I ask you the following. Do you really want to partake of the fruit of the tree of life, this side of heaven? <laughs> Particularly if Todd Bentley has anything to do with it. Do you really want to experience the fire, this importation in all of its manifestations? Do you really want to have dealings with Todd Bentley's angels? It is amazing to me that God will cling to that people will cling to the argument that if one people are being healed, it must be of God. Now hopefully we've thoroughly debunked that in the last, all these teachings I've done on Todd Bentley. I've never devoted this kind of time to any person ever in my life. It's just as though, it's so flagrant what is going on, and it's only going to get worse, that I felt as though it was time. I never really delved into the whole charismatic, Pentecostal thing in depth. And that's what we've done here. This is, I've been waiting for this. This is the logical conclusion, or part of the logical conclusion, to which the charismatic movement can only lead. It had to happen. It was just a matter of time. It's going to get even worse. There's going to come a time, I've, I've felt for a long time, and a lot of people would agree with me, they're going to act- absolutely absolutely have open orgies in the churches. There's going to come a time when that happens. Because as the strong delusion gives over to more strong delusion, and more seducing spirits give, give way to more seducing spirits, what is the logical thing that will end up happening? Probably homosexuality in the churches, with, you know, every kind of other debauchery you could imagine. And they will do it, and say that we are delivered to do these things, just like it does in Jeremiah 7. And it says right there, I mean, these are people that think they're right with God. And they were sacrificing their children to Molech. And they were making cakes to the Queen of Heaven. And they were going into the house of God, worshipping Him and saying, we are delivered to do these abominations. We're we we so holy, we're so spiritual, that we are. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. When the man had taken his father's wife to wed, and they gloried in their shame. The church did. I'm telling you, we're coming down to it. It's already happening. They're glorying in their shame already. What I'm saying is it's going to get worse. People say, I can't get any worse. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Satan will take you as low, as low as he can, and he hasn't taken you as low as he can go yet. He hasn't taken Todd Bentley as low as he can go. He'll use him, and when he's done with Todd Bentley, he'll rot him up like a piece of paper and throw him over his shoulder and go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he does. Kundalini, hmm, So these people are believing, just because people are getting healed, it must be of God. Kundalini is cultic, but it is said to be one of the greatest healing forces ever. This is what Todd Bentley's tapping into. Remember, I mean, just look at the manifestations of the people there. Absolutely lines up with the Kundalini. The the, the experiences you should expect. Remember, the magicians in Moses' day were able to replicate most of the miracles Moses performed. People again and again say, but look at the fruit. Fruit is fruit, right? Yeah, rotten fruit and good fruit. We're rotten fruit here. We're dealing with rotten fruit. I refuse to eat the fruit of a poisonous plant, no matter how hungry I am. And you better do the same. That's what he was saying here. Jeremiah fourteen fourteen says, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. Oh, they prophesied lies in my name. See, a lot of times people say, well, just because they're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, you usually don't use that full statement, the Lord Jesus Christ. But maybe say Jesus. Maybe. But they got their false Jesuses. But the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy falsely in my name. And then God says, I sent them not. Neither have I commanded them. Neither spake unto them. This is like Todd Bentley all over in the charismatic movement. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination. A false vision and divination, witchcraft. They're divining, which is very common within these circles. And then it says, a thing of naught in the deceit of their heart, because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Matthew 24 11 says, And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. We're here. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise many false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. says it's going to happen, it's happening, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Don't ever think it's not possible. Take heed lest you fall. The Bible says. Take heed lest you fall. Pride goeth before a fall, and a haughty spirit before destruction. The last thing you want is pride to well up in you, or a haughty spirit. Because you will fall. Don't ever get to the point where you think you're above it. Ever. What is the remedy for pride? Fear of God, reading the word of God, and praying for humility and meekness before God and before your fellow man. That is the remedy for pride and deception, and a lot of these other things. Because the fear of God and humility before God take care of so many other things. The Bible says, To this man will I look, it says in Isaiah 66, to him of him that is of a humble and a contrite spirit, and to him that trembleth at my word. That's the remedy, right there. Mark, 13, 22, For false Christs and false prophets shall rise, and show signs and wonders to seduce... To seduce, if it were possible, even the very elect. To seduce. That's what these are. They're seducing spirits. They're seducing them. Like you always think of the classic term of a prostitute seducing a man or whatever. These spirits are seducing these people to do these things. The other the other version, or the other, in Matthew, it says it a different way. To deceive the very elect. But this, this verse in Mark uh, 13 says if they're seducing them. It's like seducing them to fornicate. With them. Which is essentially kind of what they're doing. It's in a spiritual way. Second Corinthians 11.13 For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. This is exactly what they're trying to do. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. See, Todd Bentley is a minister of Satan. It's no great thing that this minister of Satan is transformed into what appears to be, at least to some people, as a minister of righteousness. Carl Tekrib, who is a researcher on world religions, sums it up beautifully. He says, quote, The bottom line is this, the quest for the mystical tree of life is simply the desire to take the Garden of Eden by force. Tear down whatever barrier stand in the way of its fruit, and by man's own hand, taste immortality. Isn't that what every all the occultists are always trying to attain? Immortality? The tr- what, what is the tree of life all about? Never dying. Right? Well, that's what they want. They want it, and they're going to try to conjure, and I mean conjure, any particular way that they can to taste of it. So that they don't ever have to die. Because, see, they know deep down they're appointed to a devil's hell. They know that. So, what are they trying to do? Escape the devil's hell. It's not going to happen, though. They can try all they want. They're still bound for there, unless they get saved. But see, they don't want to do it God's way. They want to have their cake and eat it, too. The result will be catastrophic for the individual who, through the occult and the works of magic, attempts to gain everlasting life outside of God's prescribed way, the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. So that's all we have for today and I'm going to have to end here because I am totally out of tape sorry we'll see you next week God bless